Um, yeah, I've been coming to the secular Zoom meetings for a couple of years, but I've never done this. I've never spoken. So, uh, so a little, little unnerving, but that's all right. And I'm very happy, appreciative to do it. And uh, let's see. So my story. Um, I came from a family of alcoholics, like many of us. Um, my mother, from what I can tell, it goes back um, a number of years in that family, as well as just um, dysfunctional and abuse and um, uh, a lot of things that my mother was running away from. And I grew up with um, her drinking, uh, smoking, to, which is not unusual uh, for her generation. Um, and also, um, she always had um, helper pills in her purse. <laughs> uh, I, I think today my mother would have been diagnosed with um, you know, anxiety and probably properly medicated one way or another, but instead back then it was just the nerves or, um, I don't know, she just had a number of different doctors in Alaska that would free fill her prescription. So um, that is a memory I've always had of my mom having something, something available. Um, so Alaska, my parents came up here in 1964. So they drove up the Alcan right after the earthquake. People ask, oh, did you go through the earthquake? Like they, um, they had sold everything and they were in a car and a camper and the earthquake happened and they're like, well, how bad could it be, right? So they came up and um, I grew up here and uh, the part of the story, I guess, for addiction is that Alaska, that's growing up in the boom years. So any of you that remember the 60s and 70s, um, the, that was the building of the oil pop pipeline in Alaska, and it um, drastically changed the kind of uh, lifestyle one grew up in. It was just growing faster than it possibly could. All the schools were double shifting, trying to frantically build, you know, the next school. Uh, people were living in their campers. Um, I remember at 10, I made $2,000 because I started a car washing business and I would wash uh, campers coming up the Alcan uh, with my girlfriend at her, her dad's um, 76 station. And we raked in the bucks. I mean, we were hard workers, but that was just sort of the sign of the, many, the number of people coming up here almost felt like a gold rush. Um, but with that, with the pipeline came uh, lots of drugs lots of alcohol. Um, just, uh, my dad worked in the camps. He was a surveyor. So he surveyed from top to bottom. And uh, he just said that just the amount of, you know, they just brewed their own out there too, because they couldn't get it in the camps and they couldn't get it in the villages either. Um, some of them even by then were dry. Um, but, um, yeah. So just just a lot of abuse uh, going on and a lot of um, uh, dysfunctional family systems, I would have to say that um, it may be in a today's world um, between the abuse, between people living um, 
on and off kind of jobs. So families were, you know, were slope workers or lived out of state or were living up here because they didn't want to be here. So that was part of it too. Um, so anyway, my family, I felt like my early childhood was pretty good until my brother um, started showing early signs of um, at about 11 or 12 schizophrenia. Um, and I was about um, eight at that time, eight, nine. Um, and that really created some schisms and stress in the family. Um, and at that time, my mom divorced and we moved into a condo in North Mountain View that was just uh, in the heart of uh, a lot of dysfunction and a lot of drug abuse and um, the alcohol spiraled. And my sister and I pretty much came uh, where we were raising ourselves at that point. My mom wound up working nights. Um, and we, uh, would wake up to, uh, you know, mom and somebody she picked up in the bars. So she'd work nights, she'd pick up somebody in the bars, they'd be home. And my sister and I were trying to get to school. I mean, you know, we're trying to get around two drunks in the only bathroom to get ready for school, to get to school, to be, and at that point we were, I mean, we were always good kids. We were like the honor students. We were trying to look like the normal uh, with all this chaos going on at home. And um, when she did remarry, she remarried an alcoholic and then it got worse. And uh, then it turned to physical abuse. And um, I finally left at um, I moved out at 15 and lived with, I had lived with two different families and then I lived alone. Um, my senior year, I just said, fuck it and got an apartment and I worked uh, almost full time for the book cash. <laughs> Anybody's ever lived in Alaska, you know that it's a great store. It's gone now. Uh, and I just got myself graduated and independent and um I had sworn that I would never drink alcohol. I mean, I, I watched the destruction of it. And um, uh, my sister also wound up getting out of the house in a different way. She was the valid Victorian type and, you know, got a, got, went to Austria as a foreign exchange student, and then came back and got a full ride to Middlebury. And I was the other route. I was working and, uh, just trying to um, get by and then became a wanderer and I wound up traveling for a few years and doing a variety of things and trying to get through school um, through college and supporting myself um, and through most of my 20s I didn't drink it was not I just I had that very strong image of um not wanting, you know, I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want to turn out like my mom. Um, and I was, for the most part, a teetotaler for a long time. Um, not, not that there were moments, um, but um, it just wasn't a thing. 
uh, food was a thing. And I've heard this from other people here too. That was probably, that was actually the first thing that brought me to a 12 step meeting was that I um, became bulimic in my early to mid twenties. And um, so I went to some OA meetings and I can remember this is like 1983 going into an OA meeting and sitting with a group of women, you know, maybe 12 women and we're reading this book. And, and I just thought, God, this is a lot of God and a lot of he and a lot of male pronouns. And we're all, we're all women sitting here around a table reading this book, but I was desperate and I wanted um, some relief from what I was doing to my body. And I was still so in the woods. Um, I think I was at that time still reverberating from, you know, um, just like shell shock coming out of my family um, and just trying to, trying to, uh, to get a, a sure footing of some kind. And I would say most of my twenties were spent doing that. And, and some of that was traveling, which some of that was really wonderful. I um, was on the road and I um, met an Australian man, if any of you are Aussies out there. And uh, we did a two year motorcycle trip all around North America. So, you know, I got to see every state, every province of Canada, every state of Mexico, just a really um, amazing time. And then I came back to Alaska, tried a little more schooling again. I, you know, it's interesting. I finally came to the um, realization that I did have reading and writing disabilities. I always struggled in school. Uh, today, I am a special ed teacher and I embrace it and understand it now and I help other kids, but it took a while to get there. Um, but I just, you know, I managed to get a two-year degree, uh, a lot of other turmoil. So relationships in my twenties, I was also uh, just forming very, not alcoholic yet, but codependent relationships. So where I just couldn't, uh, you know, ups and downs and um, I don't know, big breakups and just trying to stay in the relationship no matter what. And, you know, that came back to a lot of abandonment, just the abandonment of uh, my family and, you know, everything that happened um, in the time in growing up in the earlier years. So um, I went out again, traveling for a year, and I spent half a year in Mexico, half a year in Australia and New Zealand, got back, um, finally started college, uh, a Mac Plus came out. <laughs> And it had spell check and I realized I could graduate. Yeah, I realized I think I could do this now. I think I, with the technology, I could get through college and I did. Um, and I, uh, everything kind of, it seemed, I, I got into counseling around then too. And so I started learning a little bit about what was going on. Um, because I felt before that, I just felt like I was drifting and trying to survive. And I had a very sense of independence, which I obviously did if I was learning to finance and take care of myself from 15 on. Um, I had a strong sense of independence. 
uh, in one side, but on the other side, when I got in a relationship, I felt very codependent and had no, felt like I just couldn't live without that. So that was a weird dichotomy. Um, and then I finally graduated and I got my first teaching job and I met somebody at that point, I finally found antidepressants. So the early SSRIs got on Prozac and things just were really turning around. Still wasn't drinking. I would say at that point, you know, if I went out with people, I might have a glass of wine once a month. It just wasn't something I did. It's also something I couldn't afford. I was living on I've been living on back then, I think about 8,000 a year, if I was lucky, <laughs> I remember. Um, so, um, yeah, I got married and I married somebody who drank, I would say socially, but then he, uh, he started brewing, brewing beer. And uh, I wound up in a brew club with, you know, everybody and then stresses of um, marriage, mostly. Um, I um, just started drinking more. And I was still very aware of it. I'd still say maybe food was more my problem off and on at that point. Um, but yeah, now it's in the house. Now he's brewing wine and mead and really good stuff. And it's much stronger than what you buy in the store. And it's just around the house all the time. And so now I'm probably drinking weekly, um, but don't see it still as a problem. And, um, and life goes on and I have my baby at 30, gosh, when was I 35, 36, when I had my son um, and um, wound up, uh, really diving into a postpartum depression and um, having panic attacks, which I'd never had before. Um, and so basically a breakdown and the, the stress of um, having Keegan, who I love my child, but if just brought in the more signs of what was not going right at the marriage and the lack of support that I was getting and um, my depression, everything just went inward. I would say at this point, I'm still not really dealing with stuff. Things are just going inward. And, um, and I just feel like I'm, especially as a new mom, I was just, uh, I had quit working. I was staying home and I just felt underwater. If anybody relates to depression where you, everybody's up there above the water. And I just, I couldn't get there. Besides being sleep deprived, Keegan didn't sleep. <laughs> he still doesn't, he's 23, he still doesn't sleep. Um, but he didn't sleep for like the first six months. Um, definitely, I was just sleep deprived constantly. And, and he just never became a good sleeper. And um, I started comparing myself to other mothers who just had all this freaking energy. Oh, we're taking our kid camping. We're going to go out in a tent and hike around Denali State Park and do this and that. I'm like, I, I just felt like a total failure. And, and I just, um, because there's just no way I had any energy to do any of that. I just, you know, mom groups, I just always felt like I was a loser. Um, 
you know, and a lot of it was depression and no sleep. And just Keegan was just a different, a different kind of kid. And, and I, we, I was in a baby co-op and this was the first time it realized it was that, um, so we had another kid spend the night, uh, little, little Yana, I call her little Yana. Her name was Yana and she slept till 9 a.m. the next morning. I thought she was dead. I had to go in and like poke her because I just never seen a baby do that, right? My kid was up, down, up, down, up, down. So um, I was like, oh, maybe there's something about this. So um, as Keegan is getting to be uh, a little bit older now, I'm drinking more. Um, I mean, he's a couple years old, I'm home, I'm starting to drink. I don't have to drive. Um, I, I, especially after the breakdown, I'm starting to just trying to deal with the anxiety. I would say that might've been one of the first things that where I started being a regular drinker was to quell the anxiety and um, the nervousness, the just um, um, not feeling uh, like an adequate mother, not feeling good enough in, around my peers, around my husband. He's a state lawyer, important kind of guy. Everybody knows him. Um, and I just always felt like less of a person, like a failure in that. And, um, and then my mom died. And that was a trigger for, um, she had lung cancer. She died at like 74, she was early. And, and so I'm just turning 40. And that was really my trigger for drinking. And I went from, you know, using it to kind of quell the anxiety to just a bottle a day. And it really, it was shit hitting the fan about all, it was like that, the past rushing in and all of these things were coming up and all these memories. And it just, and, and the grief, um, because as much as, there was turmoil. She was also the one that loved us the most. My dad and her separated when I was two and he lived here, but we didn't see him much. He just wasn't involved. And so it was stepdads and, um, you know, and it, then it was drunken and abusive stepdads. And, um, and so there was just a lot of confusion going on as well as my own marriage um, devolving at that point. And um, so I drank more and then I decided a fair was a good idea um, with somebody else in the baby co-op. <laughs> you think these baby co-ops are these pristine things, right? No, there's a, a, there were like 12 couples and there's only two that are still married anyway. So, um, so that was happening and it just turned into just, uh, I don't think I was sober much at all at any one point. And, um, and that's what finally led me. I had a sort of a public disgrace at a, at a, um, a function. And that's what first led me to AA. And um, the God stuff didn't set well. And I, I went uh, and I, I stayed sober for three years and cleaned stuff up and got out of the affair and tried to address the marriage, asked for counseling. My husband didn't want to do that, that, you know, it was my problem, not his. So, um, 
I um, kept up with AA and tried to be kind of religious, um, but I kept being told that, you know, eventually I would get it or I would leave. Um, and so what has happened to a lot of us, I did leave and I decided to drink again and I managed to keep it a bit under wraps for a while, but then it just evolved and moved again back into what it always does. And, um, and I wound up divorced and, um, and I got, you know, sort of wrapping it up faster. I got here. <laughs> Uh, about 10 years later, and after divorced, after um, a very alcoholic relationship with somebody for about four years, and back in counseling, and um, you guys, I found, I mean, I got back in AA, um, I didn't get a DUI, but I was showing up drunk, uh, not drunk, I was drinking in the morning, though, so I'd have a drink in the morning, I get through work, I drink all night, um, and it's really hard to work with middle schoolers when you come in with a bad hangover. So, <laughs> or any kids with any kind of behavior and loud, loud and, and uh, just, yeah. So things were just not functioning. So I wound up back in AA. I had a great principal who let me go at lunchtime. So he gave me an hour, which would normally get 30 minutes. So I would go over to a meeting uh, that I could drive to from school. And, and it was uh, more so religious and it was just, it was just hitting me more and more. Um, I think I found the AA podcast. I found the uh, Beyond Belief podcast. That was the beginning. And then I found the books because of the books they talked about. So I had found Jeffrey Munn's book. Then the pandemic happened. Then I found Zoom. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm today. So I've got two years under my belt. Uh, with you guys. And um, now I call it three plus two, because I shouldn't discount those three years I had earlier. So three plus two, and um, this is working um, pretty well for me. Um, I did do the steps even before I found you guys, I, I used the Jeffrey Munn's book, and I kind of did a modified, I'm a Unitarian Universalist. So, you know, we're all modified around anything religious anyway. And so both of my original AA and Al-Anon, I was going to Al-Anon then, sponsors uh, were Unitarians, they're from my church, and so they were like, yeah, Yana, do what works for you, you know, set up the steps the way you want, and I kind of met with both of them, and so I have a modified list now in my fridge that, um, that kind of incorporates probably three or four different secular steps systems and um, I use those and I try to zoom to a meeting every day and um, I use a counselor that I was using quite a bit after the divorce because that really that really knocked me quite a few notches um, I've been married 25 years I always just wanted more I wanted counseling and I wanted things to get better and they didn't and so that that was um, that was a big, big change in my life. And that's taken five, six years to get where I am today and being able to laugh about it occasionally and not be completely angry. Um, and um, to even like, you know, he left me for somebody else and moved to Seattle. And I like Carolyn a lot. I like her better than Brock. I like her better than my ex-husband. <laughs> she's, she's a pretty neat lady, um, but um, 
you know, it's just uh, taken a lot to get where I am. So um, your these daily meetings is kind of what keeps me going now, even at four in the morning. So that's uh, about all I got.